about what particular subject? Pentecost. Pentecost. Everybody say it. Pentecost. Pentecost. When we were talking about why it's important, I think most people have heard the word before, but like, what the heck is that thing all about? Maybe it was something about Holy Spirit and Acts 2 and all that, and we never actually got into Acts 2 uh, last week, but we're going to get there today. So basically, we have just been in the stage of Passover, which is in uh, March and April, which celebrates the Passover of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for us. And when we appropriate Jesus as our Passover lamb, then we are what we call saved or born again, as the scriptures say. And so that gives us peace with God. We now have peace with God as a result of Him saving us, of Him being Lord of our life. You know, just I'm, I'm just talking about everyday run-of-the-mill stuff, you know? Jesus coming as a, you know, a person, a human being, and saving us. So just, you guys relax. and <laughs> Come on now, we can't get familiar with this stuff at all. Uh, so now... 50 days, 40 days after that, Jesus ascends into heaven. And then 50 days after he rose from the dead, Pentecost came. And the the Jews had been celebrating since way back in Exodus. Anybody get into Exodus 19 and 20 and thereabouts this last week? Okay, two of you, great. Some of you got sanctified and hooked up. But uh, they've been celebrating the giving of the law, the Torah, Uh, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, way back when. And then Jeremiah comes and he prophesies and he says what to them in Jeremiah 31? Okay, I'm going to write it on your hearts and your minds. So for 1,500 years, they've been waiting for God to write His Word on their hearts and their minds each time they come to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival and every time they go home disappointed, but not this time. Not this time. So let's get into Acts chapter 2. If you'd please turn there. We're going to read a little bit of scripture. Hope you're okay with that. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly. Courtney, say suddenly. Good. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like, not actually were, but looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Say every single one of them. Okay, not one of them was left out. So you've got believers, what we would call born-again Christians, in this place, And you can tell Luke, who's writing this, these acts, is having a hard time describing what happened. He said it looked like flames or tongues of fire or something. It kind of reminds you of what John does in the book of Revelation. He's using earthly descriptions to try and describe spiritual realities. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's important we hear that. Everyone. No one left out. 
No one, no, no one left behind. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, they're speaking a totally different language. Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time. When they heard this sound, they came running to see what it was all about. And they were bewildered to hear that their own languages, they, they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the languages of the lands where we were born. So again, this is Pentecost, people coming from all around the world. Remember, Jerusalem's population grew by over 3 million people during this festival, which is otherwise known as the Feast of Harvest. Okay, the Feast of Harvest. And we're going to see why God originally called it the Feast of Harvest. So here we are, and there's Parthians, Medes, you know, all these different ethnicities represented and Jews from around the world, visitors from Rome. And uh, let's see. And here, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. So we, here we have believers that are speaking in a tongue unknown to them. Holy Spirit has come down and fallen on them and they receive a language that they can't understand themselves that they're speaking. And yet people from all around the world are hearing them speak in this spiritual tongue and they're hearing them in their own tongue praising God. Shake your head like Tyson and say, oh my. <laughs> this is amazing stuff. They stood there amazed and perplexed. See, it, even us, it's, they were doing the same thing. What can this mean? But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk. That's all, they said. Then Peter stepped forward and he begins to do something under the power of something that had just recently come on him. Because we know Peter's resume. We look back to the time that Jesus was crucified. What happened? What did he do? He denied Jesus three times. Three times people accused him of being associated with Christ, and he denied him. This time, all of a sudden, they're like, they're drunk. Ah, they're drunk. These guys have been drinking real early in the morning. And Peter steps up to the plate and says, let me tell you something, folks. And he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. <laughs> what is he saying? That's later. <laughs> people don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. And we just read about it and Cambria demonstrated it. By the way, we had nothing to do with that. She just came up to me and said, Dad, I got a word. So he goes through here and he's preaching to them and he's saying, listen, um, go to verse 37. Peter's words convicted them deeply. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we say? I need you to kind of mark that. Peter's words convicted them deeply. What did, he just, what did he accuse them of doing? What's that? 
said, you killed him. You murdered Christ the Messiah. And indeed he was. Okay, what a contrast between the fear factor he was experiencing before and now he is emboldened with the Spirit of God to bring conviction to these people. But we're going to see that's part of the Holy Spirit's job description. Now listen, they said, and they said to him and the other apostles, what should we do? That is repentance. John the Baptist brought the same thing. He said, repent and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. And what was their response? They responded like good Jews. What should we do with action? Not a Greek who just assents in his mind and says, hmm, let me think about what I should do. For a Hebrew and for Christ and for us with the Word of God, we have to learn to think like good Hebrews. Good Christians, in other words, that our response, that when we hear something, it's followed up with action immediately. Peter replied, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper, and in prayer. So, let's go back to Exodus. In Exodus 19 and 20, we, again, we have the description of the, the Ten Commandments. God comes down on the mountain filled with smoke and fire and it said that they could see the voice of God. That's what Jewish scholars believe. They could see the voice of God. Now, as a result of God coming down and giving His Word that day through the Ten Commandments, how many people were killed? Because of their sin. 3,000 people. As a result in Acts 2 of Holy Spirit coming down, 3,000 people receive eternal salvation and are added to the church that day. That's church growth. But we got to remember what happened, what preceded that. That's why I was pointing out those different ingredients there. Hey, earmark this one. Conviction. Conviction of sin. A call to repentance. Oh man, that's the law. Well, let's take a look at this a little bit more. So why would God cause His followers to speak in a language that would make whoever heard it think that they had been drinking too much? Come on, that's not really good PR for your kingdom when you're just getting a fresh start. So if you pray in the Spirit, if you've received the gift of tongues, maybe what's it supposed to sound like? We'll, we'll keep going here. I mean, Jesus is not real seeker sensitive. I mean, he is the ultimate crowd thinner. Dennis Peacock talks about Jesus and his Dracula speeches. and I mean, he was doing more to weed out the crowd than he was a crowd thinner, not a crowd gatherer. I mean, they would say to, hey, the Greeks are coming. Come on, this is an opportunity to really build a following and stuff. And Jesus would bolt. Why? Because he knew his calling. He said, I'm called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
because he knew that his followers, different ones, Greeks and different ones, they were going to be the ones to reach those people. He wasn't going to be the one to reach everyone. No, he had a plan when Acts 2 happened, then his Holy Spirit was going to fill all of his followers and they were going to go forth and fulfill Acts 1.8, which says, and the Holy Spirit, come on, will come upon you in power and you will be my... Where? In Jerusalem, local. In Judea, in Samaria, regional. And to the ends of the earth, global. It's a nice strategy, isn't it? Well, it didn't exactly work all that well initially. As a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers would now start doing what Jesus had demonstrated all along, but never had the power to accomplish. Come on, from the very beginning, the beginning of the Gospels, Jesus saying, come and follow me. Come and follow me. What was he doing? He was demonstrating to them what they were going to do. But yet what he was calling them and demonstrating them to do was absolutely impossible. There was an appointed time for that power to be released into them where then they would be able to accomplish the things that he had given them. Anybody like me, you look at some of these different things that you read and you're like, I, I don't know how that can happen. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do those things. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Well, if you're saying that you couldn't do that, you would be correct. You would be correct. Do you feel stupid? Do you feel uneducated? Do you feel like maybe I need a theological degree in order to be able to uh, share the life of Jesus with anyone? Well, you're going to fit right in with this crowd. Look at um, Acts chapter 4. Starting in verse 8. Then Peter said to them, leaders and elders of our nation, are we being questioned because we've done good deed to a crippled man? They had just healed somebody. And they were brought before the council and said, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Messing things up. Did I leave something out of that first verse there in verse 8? What did I leave out? There you go. So Peter wasn't speaking on his own accord. It says, then Peter, comma, filled with the Holy Spirit, comma, said to them. So Holy Spirit speaking through Peter to these guys. And he said, do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly state to you, all the people of Israel, that he was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man you crucified. Man, Peter's getting bold. And he's getting bolder all the time. Whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one who is referred to in the Scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected. I love this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter. Do you notice that? What did they see? They saw the boldness. They saw the boldness. It didn't say he was rude. Come on. Didn't say he was arrogant. Did not say he was cocky at all in the least bit. Why? Because we know Holy Spirit is not that way. But he was bold. He was bold. For they could see again. They saw the boldness and they could see that they were ordinary men. 
that they had no special training. Anybody? Come on now. Everybody's getting encouraged all of a sudden. No special training. Do you know what that word in the Greek means for ordinary men? Idiot ignoramus. Look it up yourself. I like looking up stuff like that. When I can identify with something, I look it up and I get encouraged. Idiot ignoramus. They recognized, they saw these dudes were idiots ignoramuses. They saw it. But they also recognized, look at the next section, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's what I want to be known as. Great. Look at me. Take a peek at me. Idiot ignoramus. But the next statement should be, okay, he's dumb as a bag of hammers, but he's been with Jesus. And this guy, they were, they were amazed at the boldness, the way that he spoke. That's only by the Holy Spirit. Mm. How am I recognized? How am I seen? So the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit for salvation. They're in the upper room in Jerusalem waiting. And then Holy Spirit comes down. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit to receive power for bold witnessing and acts of service to God. Baptism in the Holy Spirit resulted in the ability, all of them, to speak in an unknown spiritual tongue. Which is described by Paul later on as a gift. So, what was the mission impossible? Think back to the Gospels. What was the mission impossible that Jesus called his followers to fulfill? Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. What was it, Damien? Go and make disciples, teaching them all that I've commanded you to obey, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. This is just before he is taken up. He gives them mission impossible. Go and do this. They have no ability to accomplish or fulfill this direction without what happens then in Acts 2. And that's why he says, go and wait. Do not try this at home. Don't try and attempt this. Before you get the Holy Spirit, do not try this because you're going to mess everything up. So what was the purpose of Father sending Holy Spirit? Acts 1.8. To fill us with power so that we would be His witnesses. And then we had that little encouraging word in the Greek that that word witness refers to. Martyr. Oh joy. <laughs> so without Acts 1.8, without Acts 2, Matthew 28 could never be fulfilled. Now, let's go, let's look at this here. I want to, I want to go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4.
Jesus never did anything, or excuse me, he never directed his followers to do anything that he didn't already do himself. So let's look at this. So the guys are filled with the Holy Spirit, are baptized in the Holy Spirit with power. They received a spiritual language that sounds like they're drunk. And then, all right, guys, go save the world. Now, Jesus, he's got a mission as well. So in chapter 4 of Luke, where is it here? Okay, so then Jesus, if chapter, uh, verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. Okay, so he's full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness where the devil tempted him for 40 days. Just parenthetically, lots of people read that as the devil led him out into the wilderness to tempt him. Do you notice who led him into the wilderness? No, my Holy Spirit would not do that. Lead me into a... Come on. So next time you start blaming the devil, just remember Holy Spirit did it to Jesus. He will do it to you as well. Anybody who's been there done that. Okay? He ate nothing all that time and was very hungry. Verse 14. So he goes through this whole thing being tempted. He's start, you know, fasting um, in, the, in the desert. And then verse 14, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's what? Power. He, he came out of there under the power of the Holy Spirit. Soon, he became well known throughout the whole country. Now Jesus says this, he goes into a synagogue, so he comes out of there filled with the Holy Spirit's power. We'll go back to verse 1 real quick. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He comes out under the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a, there's a baptism that's taking place here, just like in Acts 2. And then he goes in, and he's going to describe for us why he has the Holy Spirit on him. Verse 18 and he's going to quote Isaiah 61. So he goes up, pulls out the scroll. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Sound familiar? Acts 1.8. Holy Spirit will come upon you in power and you will be my witnesses. So he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Same language. For he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. Spiritually, naturally, okay? He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be what? Released. The blind will see. The downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. It's interesting. He leaves out. In, I went back to the, the original source in Isaiah 61. And he leaves out the part of this is the day of vengeance of God. Why? Because vengeance has been taken care of. All the vengeance of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus at the cross. The wrathful God that because of their sin had to, was literally, because of His holiness, struck down 3,000 people 
is now setting people, 3,000, and that was just the men that they counted. That didn't count them, but women and children, is now releasing them into the kingdom of God. This stuff rocks. This... Wow. Preaching good news to the poor. That's why the Holy Spirit came upon him. To proclaim captives to be released. That's why the Holy Spirit came upon him. That the blind would see. That's why the Holy Spirit would come upon him. That the oppressed will be set free. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. And that means, that word, the time of the Lord's favor, means the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. That's when the day when salvation and the free, free, free. How much is free? Free. Free. The free favors of God profusely abound. Wow. Everybody say wow. So this is the mission of Jesus empowered by whom? Holy Spirit. He's the factor. So I know it's probably going through your head. You're going, so do I have the Holy Spirit? If this is what happened to Jesus. Now, if you read a little bit more and you'll really enjoy it because Jesus has this great speech, you know, and he talks about Isaiah 61. Then he says, today, this has been fulfilled in your presence, closes it up and has a seat. And everybody and it says everybody was amazed at his grace and the way he communicated. And then you know what he did? He said, you know what? And he starts bringing a convicting word, just like Peter would do in Acts. And you know what happens? As soon as they just hear him and they're like, oh man, he speaks like angels and all this. And then all of a sudden they want to stone him. Why? Because of convicting word. So Jesus is facing persecution as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. You know what he does? He does a disappearing act. He disappears immediately and is like, gets out. So it wasn't his time to go. So hopefully that'll happen to us, right? (laughs) So again, what was Holy Spirit's primary job description? Not his message, but his primary job description in Acts 1.8. Come upon us in power so that we would what? We would tell people about him everywhere. So that we would preach the gospel because it requires a power source that we do not have. Batteries not included. (laughs) Go to John 15. We're going to try and wrap up here. Jesus is going to give them some really comforting things. As he, and please take the time, if you would, this this week to go through these John 14, 15, and 16 and, and break it down in there. But he's going to talk to them in John 14 about these you know, perks and benefits associated with the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
and he says, I'm going to give you the counselor. Like, why do you need a counselor? Because you need direction. Why do you go to a counselor? You need help. You need healing. So Holy Spirit, he's going to encourage and comfort. And, but then in chapter 15, verse 18, uh, they should have been getting a little bit nervous at that point. I'm going to give you a comforter. They're like, we're good. We're fine. What do, are, is there something you're not telling us? Why do I need comfort? The stuff's coming, that's why. Why was Holy Spirit sent? Well, here's one of the things. Verse 18, when the world hates you. Oh, here he goes. Remember it hated me before it hated you. The world would love you if you belong to it. But you don't. I love that assumption Jesus makes. You're not caught up in the things of this world. I chose you to come out of the world and so it hates you. By default, it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A servant's not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. Closest followers of Jesus. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me. For they don't know God who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me hates my father too. Jesus, tell us how you really feel. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be counted guilty. But as it is, they saw all that I did and yet hated both of us, me and my father. This was fulfilled so that the scriptures, they say they hated me without cause. So then he reiterates again, but I will send you the counselor, verse 26, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the father and he will tell you all about me. Chapter 16, I've told you these things so that you won't fall away. This is some hard stuff, you guys. This is where the rubber meets the road. This, this is not popular preaching right now. Is many getting, getting the, you know, just feeling good inside as a result of this stuff? This is the commander in chief of the kingdom of God. Telling it like it is. Because some of you are going to be tempted to fall away. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. Some of you are going to kick right out of the church. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think, what? Wait a second! And the time is coming when those, who, when those who kill you think that they are doing God a service. Saul of Tarsus enters stage left. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember I warned you. <laughs> How long have they been walking with Jesus and He's springing this on them now? I didn't tell you earlier because, you guys, I'm reading right out of the Bible. <laughs> Some of you are going, I didn't know this was in here. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little bit longer. <laughs> I'm sorry, but 
Now I'm going to go away to the one who sent me, and none of you has asked me where I'm going. Instead, you were very sad. Yeah, he says, you guys, I'm going to the Father. What are they doing? They're thinking about themselves. That's why they're... Nobody's asking. Because when we go into self-preservation mode, we stop asking questions that actually are pertinent. When we get that, that self-focus, what's Holy Spirit going to come and do though? Gonna turn their focus outward, keeping their focus glued right on Jesus. Right on Jesus. Oh, we're out of time. We're out of time. So, mm, the world hates you because of me. So, we're going to see here, and I just, we'll wrap up with this. Chapter 16, verse 8. And when He comes, who's He? When He comes, He will convince the world of its sin. You're going to see, what I want you to see here as we wrap up is a three-part message. So the job description of Holy Spirit, we talked about that before. But the three-part message that He's going to bring, when He comes, He will convince the world of its sin. That's not very loving. And of God's righteousness. He's going to draw lines. This is right and this is wrong. And the coming of judgment. Be encouraged. The coming of judgment is for the devil and those who follow him. So if you are in Christ, you have no fear of judgment whatsoever. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father. So the primary message of the Holy Spirit was to convince us of sin, to show us God's righteousness, and announce God's judgment on the devil. How effective is Holy Spirit, let's say, just at reaching those who don't know Jesus? Very. How how much of this message is in us? Again, not arrogant, not cocky, not any of those things, not condescending, not throwing down on people. You see, if we do not have a message in us that resonates with Holy Spirit, that is bringing conviction of sin, we will be absolutely ineffective at reaching those who yet do not know Jesus. I want you to keep this in mind as well. Every single time, Jesus, when he, he did not have a one you know, pony show and just a, you know, one formula fits all uh, to the way that he approached people, if you go through the Gospels, you'll see this very clearly. Whenever he came to someone, who, whenever he addressed the arrogant, he gave them the law. Whenever he addressed the humble, he gave them grace. The rich young ruler. Well, I've done this. I've kept this law. And so he said, well, what about this? And he gave them the law. He gave, them, he gave him about three or four different commandments. And it pricked his heart. It gave him a what? It got his attention. But then in Luke chapter 7, when we see the woman who comes and, you know, just as his feet and her tears and she's breaking over this, this perfume bottle and she's wiping his feet with her tears and she's just broken over her sin because she's experienced the holiness of God in Jesus Christ. 
And he says, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. So what must we be? We must follow the Holy Spirit in every part of our lives so that we know how is he wanting to approach someone. And remember, it's all love. Even giving him the law. What was To leave him, to give him grace at that point and just say, oh dude, it's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. What is that? To leave that person in his sin, he's going to some place that God is not going to be at the end of all time. Jesus was doing the most loving thing he could by giving him the conviction of his sin, of his arrogance and pride. I want you to stand, please. I want the the prayer team to come up here and I'd love for Harmony just to come up and if she could. Is she here? Is Harmony in here? Could you just play on the piano? Some people think, you know, why do they you know bring the instruments up and everything? You know what? It's it's like an oil. It, it's it's the furthest thing from manipulation. You know, think about when you, um, you're wanting to uh, just, you're having a tough time. What do you do? Sometimes you go turn the music on and it's just, it soothes you. And it helps you in that situation. And when Holy Spirit's flowing through uh, the music and using the music, he can do it in a powerful way because it's a portal into his presence. So I, w- I want them to, I want Harmony just to play, but I, I want us to have an experience right now. I want us to have an experience of, the, of a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, yeah. like in Acts 2. Because I know if you're listening to these stories as I am, and you're allowing them to hit you, you're saying, Jesus, you know what? Um, your word, this is the owner's manual for how I'm supposed to live. And, and I want to be known and live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is what happened to the followers that said they belonged to you. And they were, they were empowered to live in such a way that they became witnesses of God's love, His grace, His restoration, and His power. And there were signs and wonders. Do you know what every single one, when they were persecuted, we didn't get time to go into it, but every single one of Jesus' disciples, except for one, was martyred in horrific ways. You know why? One reason, preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not his death. Any man can die. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ that lives in us as a result of us being born again. But there is a baptism that takes place that empowers us to become his witnesses. So, no pressure, but is anybody, and I mean that in all sincerity, is there anyone you say, you know what, I need, I want a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, throw them both up. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait 
for the promise. The promise of the Father. Every single one of those people who were in that room received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why we kept highlighting those things. Every single one of them. They received the promise. And a sign of that promise was that they would speak in a spiritual tongue. Dean and I were, were, uh, were, were at our house this last week for Memorial Day and uh, with a bunch of other people. And uh, there was, uh, we, were, we were praying for a good friend of ours. He's right in here. You mind if I tell who it is? Okay, it's Gary. Okay, Gary Loman. We're out there barbecuing. We're cooking up some meat and stuff. You, sorry, you can put your hands down. You're getting tired. And uh, he's like, man, I want more. I want more of Holy Spirit. I want, I want more of God. So we're barbecuing, watching stuff. It's like, Dean's like, well, I think we should pray for you, man, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism. Well, I don't, you know, I want to speak in tongues. Awesome, let's do this. So we laid hands on him, you know, we're flipping the meat. And so we're out there on the deck and we start praying for him. We both lay hands on him and we pray for him and he receives it and we're praying in tongues and he's praying in tongues and we're singing in the spirit. We're out there on the deck and we're, we got our hands up and we're raising our hands. People are driving by just like, what the heck is going on there? And we're just, we're just worshiping the Lord, just receiving from him. Come on, get your hands up again. Don't focus on me, but just focus on him. Jesus, I would love to have fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm waiting on you. Holy Spirit, you gave it to everyone there. And we're asking that everyone in this room would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That as a sign of receiving that, that they would speak in tongues, a spiritual tongue, as the Holy Spirit gives them ability. Everyone, if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, I just want you to begin to speak out right now. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would pour out a fresh baptism, a bold witness, a bold witness, bold witness, a bold witness of your love, a bold witness of your grace, a bold witness of a convicting word, if need be conviction of sin. Holy Spirit, use us however you want to use us. Do what you want to do. Don't stop coming. Don't stop coming. We will continually yield our lives to you. Let us be close followers of you, Jesus. Not fearing. Not hiding. Do in us what you did to them and through them. 
do to us and through us what you did in them at that time. In the name of Jesus Christ, who makes it all possible. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you. Pastor Hammond does this all the time, but he says, don't stop practicing. I mean, if you want, if your vocabulary, your spiritual language vocabulary hasn't changed, you know, in a long while, what happens when you speak Spanish over and over again? You get better. Your vocabulary increases. Well, so can your spiritual language. Paul says, I pray in the spirit more than you all. The apostle Paul. More than you all. He was bragging. Jude says that when you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up in your most holy faith. Man, when you're, when, you're, when you're struggling to believe God and have faith, man, pray in the Spirit for about 15 minutes to a half an hour. And then do it continually from there on out. Anybody in here who is, who, who, you know, you, you just like some help receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, and you'd like to receive the gift of tongues. You'd like to be empowered and you didn't receive that, these guys are up here to pray for you. And if you didn't receive that, don't go home without receiving that special gift. Okay. I, I just feel like there's someone in here or some people in here that want the gift of the Holy Spirit, but they're fearful about it, or that someone has spoken something negative about speaking in tongues in their life. So there's that barrier of, no, yeah. I can't speak right. in tongues, or it's wrong, or it's not biblical. And I just pray that that's broken off of you in yeah. Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Broken off of you in Jesus' name. Come and receive the living water that can well and spring up inside you. Amen. So we're going to dismiss. If there is anyone who would like to be prayed for, for that baptism to take place, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to invite you to just come up and... and uh, That'd be great. Have a wonderful day. Beautiful sunshine this week. Enjoy it. Love you. Goodbye.